goal chance for Conor McGrath. Bernie, surely give it in, Conor. Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackie still going. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, oh, what a goal. Goal. I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. Will stick in your mind at the championship show car. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. Did Joe Malloy ever apologise to Donald Donovan for describing <laughs> one of the great moments in hurling history as a wild shot? Well, he described it perfectly. It was wild. The fella was a cornerback. I don't think he'd ever scored in the championship before. He was practically on the ground as he struck the ball from right underneath the roof of the Cusick stand to draw an All-Ireland final. It was wild. I remember being in the studio that day and there was 100% a sense of what the <laughs> is this guy doing? Palm it off. Give it to someone else. Uh, now nah, this is where heroes come into their own. Well, it's a fair point. Uh, it is, it is up there with the greatest points ever taken in the history of Gaelic games. Gizzy wrote in the Irish Independent last week about Paul Morris uh, opting not in front of goal to Grand go for fella. himself. It turns out he obviously did, did the business at the end. But initially that you decide you're in front of goal and that moment comes and you say, you've obviously got a split second to decide, what do yeah. I do here? Is this for me or is this for someone else? And Donald Donovan, fair play to him. Uh, I mean, what a score. It was, it, was a, it was a remarkable score. It was a, he certainly wasn't playing the percentage game. It was the score that won the All-Ireland. Yeah, ultimately. It was, you know, it only saved the day that day, but yeah. there would have been no second day only for Donald. Yeah, uh, welcome along to the GEA podcast. It's getting pretty easy for us now because there's only four games on this week. It's Nathan Murphy, Adrian Barry, Dave McIntyre, pointing at the wrong person. Yeah, that's <laughs> As I said, people can't see us, Nathan. It's grand. So podcast. you would think it means there's only four matches this weekend. We can put all these hours just into these four matches. I like to do more. There's only four matches. <laughs> I can reduce the workload. Yeah, we by see, that ult- well, ultimately, what happens is I know, like, that we <laughs> Like ultimately, we've no strict timing on on the length of this podcast. But ultimately, what happens when you've got like seven or eight games? So you do sort of a little bit of research about all these games, and that kind of takes up a lot of the podcast. But when ultimately you've only four, then you got to actually know something about the games, which is you know none of us are going to put our hands up on that front. Uh, this is going to be a difficult afternoon for me and you, Adrian. Ah, oh, damn it! I as I bring the results. McIntyre's reached the promised uh, land, the holy grail. How long is this? This is well coming. So there were five <laughs> matches last week. Come on, the five. I got two out of five. Oh, it's pretty terrible. Adrian Barry got three out of five. That's not bad. Yeah. Beat and me. for the first time this I season, I can't believe not four. One hundred percent. Five out of five. Let's tease through, like what, what, what As James <laughs> O'Connor would say, woo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, listen, I'm going to get my excuses in. I went for Ross Common <laughs> because I was trying to appease John Evans. Well, that was just stupid. Yeah, uh, so you both went for Armagh. I went for a draw in the Ulster football final. Dave yeah. went for Donegal. You went for Monaghan. We all went for Dublin. We all went for Kildare. Mm. I went for Waterford, which was poor form. I really haven't given Wexford any credit for no. what they've done throughout the no. year. You're probably going to pick Limerick as I well. I predicted against them in every match so far this season, and both of you... Lads, went for Wexford, so Dave, congratulations. I have to say, Enjoy Dave, this moment. The am, Donegal shot was a big, was a good one because there's a lot of revisionism going on this week about, ah, yeah, sure, we all knew yeah. Donegal were that good. You know, we all expected it. I'm fairly certain he said something like, I'm, I'm not convinced. 
But I'm, I'm just certainly. going I, 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 to I think, think, What he said was, you're all going for Monaghan or a draw. I thought so it was a 50-50 game, but yeah. Donegal would edge it. I didn't think they'd win it as comfortably as they did in the end. But um, yeah, I'm delighted with that. Look, that's, that's set me up for the Let's weekend. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, this weekend, once again, we've got two live games on Off the Ball. Tomorrow, we have the All-Ireland Football Qualifier Round 4 between Cork and Sligo down at O'Connor Park in Tullamore. Dave will be there with Woolley, Lee McHale and Anthony Moyles. And then on Sunday, the first of the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals, two o'clock throw-in at Semple Stadium. Limerick against Wexford again. Dave will be there alongside uh, Jamesy and Gizzy. So a cracking weekend ahead on Off the Ball. Coverage as well, Nathan. I mean, don't forget coverage full, from the other games. Full coverage. Full on. live coverage. Well, not exactly no, full live coverage, full. but certainly reaction. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have, no, we definitely have, reaction. We've got a lot of, lot of coverage of Dublin against Tipperary at four o'clock Semple Stadium. The second uh, match between Galway and Tipperary in All-Ireland Football Qualifier Round 4. Reaction. We're probably not going to have a huge amount on that on Off the Ball, considering we'll we're going to be off air before <laughs> the match starts. Yeah. Right. Dave will have. Well, Dave will be speaking to the respective managers afterwards. Shall? And we shall hear all of that in the region of 20 past one on your Off the Ball this coming Sunday. Yeah, yes. we'll, and we'll give, we'll give him this moment. You know, if... If you haven't had enough Dave McIntyre between five and seven, <laughs> <Let's face it>. <laughs> <laughs> and is there ever podcast, enough? You can ch- tune in and listen to him on Sky. Oh, you're, not gonna be, you're not going to be on screen this time, are you? I don't think so. God, that was a no. sharp suit, Dave. Praise the Lord. Sharp the suit. suit. Did it was, you get the it was worn again on Wednesday. It's now in the dry cleaners. D- did you get uh, a freebie from the lads in Ennis? Well, I say now in the dry cleaners. It's actually outside in the office. It will be by the weekend. Patrick I Burks, didn't pop in, no. And I forgot. In fairness, he wasn't offering you a suit. He was offering you a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, right, if right. he offered a suit, we would all be we'd, straight we'd all, down. We, yeah, we <laughs> Cheers, Patrick. Uh, yeah, you can even. How many podcast <laughs> mentions do we do? We, should we make of Patrick Burke to get him to give us? I mean, let's let's just refine it. Seeing as us three are in the room here, you yeah. know, let's not go to town on this. And I'm, I, I, I'm not a waistcoat I mean, man, to. so I just need I just want the suit. Yeah, and no, the, I, t- and the shirt. I take a waistcoat. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's a long time since I've worn one, but I could very easily be persuaded to take it off. I'm not a big fan of these new waistcoats that you know Jamesy and all the lads are wearing. These kind of low cut waistcoats that come yeah. down here. They're kind sort of weird, looking. Like, like, a bit like American a leprechaun. Prom. Yeah, yeah Conor McGregor type <laughs> waistcoats. Yeah, it's not for yeah. me. And also, they're like often, quite often, a different colour from the jacket. It's yeah, weird. it's like as if oh, I've forgotten, I've forgotten to bring the right it's jacket. It's just a new wave. I'll run with this anyway. We need to go to. Yeah, anything goes really with fashion these days, lads. That's what I'm. That's try what it well. once. That's all you can be asked to do is try it once. Well, as you just informed us, Adrian, you're got a big birthday coming up yeah. next week. Maybe we'll have a cake not, on the just, podcast. It's not necessarily a big birthday. It's <laughs> just another one. Um, we were going to get team up all the sports department and buy you a cake, but you just spent the last ten minutes bitching about people getting cakes <laughs> on their birthday in the office. So. Uh, is maybe, there, um, maybe that's not going to happen. Anyway, there are four games this weekend. Oh, sorry, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was saying that people should get cakes on their, bir- on their birthday. Don't change your mind now just because we're saying, recording. You were saying no, that. No, no. What's all this about whipping around for people in the office <laughs> on their birthday? What's all this shit? I'm just saying get them a cake. It's fine. Well, you see, that's, I, I'm new, so I know nobody's going to whip around for my birthday. Look, we don't do cakes on off the ball. <laughs> no, I would think when you're new, that's the best chance you have of somebody doing it. Before everybody thinks you're a right prick. That ship has sailed. <laughs> sharp of fashion and sharp of, of mind and sharp of prediction is McIntyre well, as he said let's move on to the previews we'll start with our first game Cork against Sligo uh, Cork took a hell of a beating in the Munster football final humiliated I would go as far to say against yeah, Kerry I think so double scores 24 points to 12 it finished up and I had high expectations of Cork going into this season but their season has just completely flatlined since that second half against Dublin it has, and on off the ball last night, or maybe it was Wednesday night, where um, Jer Woolley and 
Mick Foley, the Sunday Times, were discussing Cork mm. and they replayed the post-match interview from the Munster final that Colm did with Brian Cuthbert and it was incredibly honest. It was very worrying if you're a Cork fan, the honesty and the levels to which he was willing to admit that they simply weren't prepared for the way that Kerry set themselves up and that they struggle when teams play that way. And he's obviously decided, well, look, to hell with this. I've inherited a squad of players that clearly are not functioning. I've managed to get rid of a lot of the older heads when they may voluntarily retired a lot of the lads, particularly that old half-back line. He's named six newcomers in this starting 15. Obviously, the likes of Mark Ellis is um, established. But four of the six have never played in the championship for Cork before uh, or started a championship game. Two of the six have never played in the championship. Ian McGuire has come from nowhere. No, well, no, he, he has played hurling, but he is, he's been in around the squad for about four years now. He just doesn't, he hasn't established himself in terms of getting his st- a start every game okay. over the last two years. So he wouldn't be one of the most well-known uh, centre halfbacks or cent- forwards in the core squad or half forwards. I just think that it's desperation, but I kind of part of me thinks fair play to you for actually going. Ian McGuire's huge gamble. Like he's never played for the team before at any level. And, and he's going into midfield. He's going into midfield. Aidan Walsh, who by all accounts had a nightmare against Kerry. He yeah. was really poor it against was, Kerry. He actually it's... started the game with a wonderful point, and mm. then it just got progressively worse after that. Maguire won a Sigerson with UCC earlier in the year, and he's obviously got real qualities. But to throw him into this game, it's pretty untypical of uh, Aidan Walsh, you would say as well. It's the other thing I wouldn't be overly concerned. Oh yeah, that him. was. I um, would think it was a one-off because I've never yeah. actually seen him play badly. A couple of things that I uh, think about this and like one of them is that while well, Cork actually started that game against Kerry pretty well there were a couple of points up early on Barry O'Driscoll should have had a goal after about six or seven minutes and that would completely have put a different complexion on the game now ultimately Kerry would have still won it 24 points to 12 the final score so I don't think really you can make a great argument that it would have swung it in Cork's favour but certainly it would have been a different game and Cork would have had a different outlook um, heading out of this one and also in relation to those six changes like you said, Dave, that he has Brian Cuthbert's now decided that you know this thing just need like, like you know this group of players that I've inherited is the way you put it, which I think is a fair enough point. Why is it taking him until now to figure this out? Well, Jer was, I think, trying to make that point when they were having that discussion of he felt he had to stick with these players and give them their chance to lose their place almost. Mm. That you know they were, they were probably training well, they have intercounty experience, and then you put them up in a monster final and it's proven that they're either no longer up to it or they're just completely out of form and that he maybe up to this he couldn't drop them whereas That's now he has the perfect excuse to drop them. that there's been no planning before like like if you'd done no planning at any point in the league up to that point and then realised after the Munster final actually these fellas aren't up to it then that might make some sense but I mean presumably at some point during the league you're experimenting you're looking at combinations looking at positions well, They had a decent league though They had, <clears throat> yeah And it did all just come apart in that second half against Dublin I mean they should have been beaten by Tipperary you would almost yeah. forget that. They should have been beaten. It was Aidan Walsh that saved the day, came off the bench. I don't know if any of our listeners have watched that cameo appearance from him. Three glorious points from Aidan Walsh. Otherwise, it would have been the biggest shock in Munster for Championship football for the la- over the last 10 years. And we presumed at the time it was just that it was their first day yeah, out. Yeah, just a bit of rustiness. Mm. And Tipperary had a game under their belts. And everything since then has disproved that. It really has. And you just wonder, is there going to be a kick in them? But he's gone, really sh- played his hand to the end degree here because like as I say they're really young guys Colm O'Driscoll and Brian O'Driscoll are both in the team Brian has never played for the, in Championship football before it's a really difficult proposition for them it's against a Sligo team that you would expect Cork to beat but I think Sligo will have had their belief enhanced by looking at the team that Cork have picked 
when you're finished listening to this podcast, it is well worth going back and listening to that chat because that interview with Brian Cuthbert was undoubtedly the most honest interview I've heard from mm. a, a Gaelic from a games manager, manager yeah. in years. But it, as you say, it was also very uncomfortable to listen to because he said, if teams set up with a defensive system, we don't know how to break them mm. down. Yeah. Now, is he saying that in with the thought process of, well, I'm going to figure out a way so that teams will now think, well, let's because just set up Because that's what, exactly what Sligo are going to do yeah. tomorrow. So they will have to f- have figured a way out to do it. Now, obviously, the superior qualities of a lot of the core players might just be enough to counteract whatever system Sligo would bring to it. But if they win this weekend, they're going to end up at some stage playing a team with a defensive system. Is it Mayo or Donegal Cork will face in the quarterfinals if Mayo. they win tomorrow? Mayo, OK. So Mayo, not quite so. You wouldn't expect them to beat Mayo. So maybe they won't actually come up against that system again this summer or in this championship. But Sligo are going to put everyone behind the ball tomorrow. Look, coming back to the point that we've arrived at this point of the season and it's only now that Brian Cuthbert is figuring out that his team don't have an ability to play against a team that play another sort of style or from his point of view to change the style that his own team are playing. Um, I mean, look, I fully expect Cork to beat Sligo actually in many ways. Uh, a Sligo team that are scoring just over an average of 12 points a game. Um, Wait. Adrian Barry's stat attack. He spent at least three minutes researching this. 12.3, yeah, uh, actually. Oh, is you've, the specific. Am- you've amended it. Last week it I've, was stats that will take versions. your eye out. I have different oh, I versions. see, right. <laughs> Depending on how good his stat is. <laughs> Jeez, so, I remember, Dev, by the way. Generally, from week to out. week, when. Um, Murphy goes missing for two hours. <laughs> Chances are that's what he's working on. <laughs> it takes about 10 minutes to make it. The other hour and 50 minutes, I'm just laughing to myself. <laughs> at my brilliance. Stroking your, stroking your cat. <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank God he said cat yeah, there. Yeah, that was really my, my thought process, I have to say. Anyway, back to um, reality. That we expect here, Court to win, but yeah, there are big yeah, buts. But, but there, well, there are massive buts. And like, it was interesting listening to Brendan Devaney, you know, and I'm no doubt that he had a massive wooden spoon in his hand on Monday night mm. when he was delivering. Delivering the news that uh, if Donegal and Dublin were to meet, that he wouldn't have no, he'd have no doubt whatsoever that uh, Donegal would beat that Dublin team because Dublin wouldn't know how to come up against this sort of defensive system. Now, um, you know, I just think, I, look, I, I, I'm struggling. Like, I, I actually have a huge amount of time for Brian Cuthbert. He seems to bring in something very new to that Cork team, and yes, there was an inheritance of a group who many felt that hadn't lived up to the potential that they should have reached, um, and. You know, so so there's all that, but for all that, we're now coming towards the end of July, and he's still figuring out things about his team, like major things about his team, which uh, you know, I kind of think these things need to be. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, he he better be back next year. It'd be terrible to let him go that, after yeah. one year. Yeah. And it, there has been a considerable amount of upheaval. Clearly, players are underperforming. I mean, I don't think Brian Cooper could legislate for the performance that Aidan Walsh put in, that Owen Cadigan put in, that uh, his half forwards put in. So I think he has to be given a little bit of leeway, a little yes, bit of slack. This is a good the jewel draw, players. Though. You see the jewel players. It when is they a say good they're going to uh, go back at the end of the year and look again. That for me means look again always means <laughs> this shit hell. is over. Forget so, about it. So enjoy this. Yeah, Aiden but look Walsh. at it again. I don't think the footballers right now are in the position to look at it again. I think it's the hurlers that are in the position where they can go, well, do you know what? I don't think we want Cadigan, Walsh and... Um, Cahillan playing for the senior footballers I don't mm. think it, I think the shoe is on the hurler's foot at the moment and I'm not quite sure Brian Cooper so they, actually they should to, be vo- publicly voicing this I just if Cork win in All-Ireland this year and if I was to back a winner now it would be Cork 
Yeah, well, look very at, hard look for Claire, then Brian the, Cooper turn around to Aidan Walsh and say it's us or the hurlers. Podge Collins, um, obviously playing for the. He, I, if I'm if I'm right, he didn't play for the footballers last year. I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. And so they won in All Ireland, and then he went back to play for the footballers the next year. Now, <laughs> you know, Claire's season this uh, year, you can maybe sort of draw handy parallels there too. Maybe why he, he did go back and that. play for the footballers this year, but he also played for the hurlers. There was yeah. no one actually laying down the law. Mm. I'm just saying if if Brian Cuthbert was to turn around and say, right, look, lads, we can't have this anymore. I think Aidan Walsh would just go, right, we'll see you after. I'm playing yeah. Ireland. This is a good draw, though, for Cork. Sligo, all right, they've got to this stage, but they haven't really beaten anybody. They've beaten Wicklow and Limerick, and they weren't convincing in either game. They didn't turn up against Galway first time around. So it's a good first game back for Cork. And as you say, if they get through to a quarterfinal against Mayo, <clears throat> Mayo aren't going to implement a defensive system. No. It might just suit them. It might. Yeah. And... To, we remember what happened with Aidan Walsh in 2010 he came off the bench in 2009 in the Munster Championship glimpses of what he could be he was the young footballer of the year the following year won an All-Star they won the All-Ireland he was just this supreme athlete I cannot wait to watch Ian Maguire tomorrow just to see what he's like he could be another Aidan Walsh type figure that can actually just settle in immediately and become a fixture in the team and this time tomorrow night we might actually be you mentioned revisionism earlier when we were talking about Donegal Monaghan and Adrian. We may actually be looking at this core team and going, oh, I don't know, do you know what? Maybe there yeah. are maybe there are seeds of yeah. optimism here. We need to we do need to reserve judgment though, yeah. on the basis that it's Sligo who, you know, I think will be quite happy with the run that they've had and won't be overly disappointed by I imagine buying out to uh Cork this weekend I think it's a huge opportunity for Sligo though to really rattle Cork's cage get behind the ball maybe kick a few scores in the opening half and just make life really difficult because you wonder what the mentality of the Cork players is like if it's 8 points apiece with 15 minutes remaining yeah. and to get back to an All-Ireland quarter final massive game for this Sligo team the other thing is that and those dual players uh, the three of them have been training exclusively with the football panel over the last two weeks so you know you expect that has a bit of an impact yeah well. probably yeah so are we Three corks. Ah, yeah, but whatever would, Dave's going for, I'm going for. <laughs> you would think that there'd be enough in Sligo to make a game of it, but Cork have just too much quality. Expect Cork to get it done handily enough, actually. Yeah, I think uh, Cork will fly out the blocks and they win this by six or seven. All right, so that's our first game uh, live this weekend. Then on Sunday, we're going to be switching our attention to hurling and the quarterfinal between Limerick and Wexford. As I said, live coverage with Dave and Gizzy and James Z O'Connor. Uh, to look ahead to this one, and as we do every week, we kind of get a bit, bit of a tactical insight into one of the teams competing. And who better to give us a tactical insight into Wexford than one of their greatest ever players, Larry Murphy. Well, Larry, uh, after a, a difficult uh, number of years for Wexford hurling, the good times are well and truly back. Yeah, it took us a while to come out of the wilderness, but um, I'm not so sure about the good times, but there's there's definitely progress being made this year, which is fantastic. And um, I'm, I'm sure by all accounts, they've been the, the story of the championship so far. But um, in saying that, um, every week has been a challenge to him and Sunday is going to prove no different. What do you think the key has been tactics-wise from Liam Dunn over the last few weeks? What have been the big changes o- over the past year or so? Yeah, well, look, I, I think Liam has developed and emerged and learning every year. And one thing I think what he's definitely done, he hasn't made the same mistake twice. I think he's evolved the style of hurling, developed more from the players. I'm sure his first year, um, it's, it's a getting to know you and, and changing up the guard. He's definitely gone from for a lot of youth. Um, you know, Liam Ryan, Conor McDonald running 19 uh, off last year's minor team. They're involved with the under 21 this year. And, and Liam Overgovern, Dio, Steve. So, th- like, there has been 
a change in, uh, away from the style and that has led to an upload pace to their game and then, then Liam has uh, has evolved his own backroom team like he has Liam Dunn back involved and his Jerry Fitzpatrick then that was involved then with Waterford's um, basketball there for the last couple of years so the team looked very very toned very conditioned and, and listen they've been a breath of fresh air uh, Larry, the two-man full forward line was super effective against Waterford. Waterford never really seemed to cope with it very much. Conor McDonald yeah. and probably uh, Paul Morris to a degree as well there. We had uh, Liam Griffin on, on Monday night. and um, Yeah, he's obviously working with the forwards there. And he was kind of talking about whether that was... I asked him, you know, is, is this something that uh, Wax are going to do on an ongoing basis? And he was kind of saying horses for courses. Is that something you can see being unleashed against Limerick? Yeah, well, look, the, the Limerick full back line, like, it, it, I think Liam being the, the man he is would have identified Waterford's full back line as maybe being a bit of a chink in their armour. I don't think that's the case with Limerick. I do think Richie McCarthy offers an awful lot of physicality, and you have an awful lot of experience with Seamus Hickey there and Tom Condon beside him as well. So I do think it'd be a slightly different uh, approach to the game because Limerick play a very physical, traditional 15 man on 15 style of play. And if you look at the Limerick team, Larry, some of these lads will have played seven matches in the space of five weeks, particularly the yeah. under-21 under players. At yeah. some stage, fatigue will become a factor. You'll move from the situation that being battle-hardened, sharp, fit, game-ready actually descends to fatigue and maybe an inability to deliver the same sort of zest that they have in the last 20 minutes of games. Are they at that stage yet or will they be able to give a full 70 minutes on Sunday? Well, obviously, I hope not. Uh, another aspect that that's going to help, uh, not help with their fatigue is the weather. You know, it's extremely hot at the moment and extremely hard to train. And But uh, not that they'll be doing a lot of training in the last couple of weeks, but um, I would be fearful that there's going to be a lull or a low, even, not even just physically. I think physically they'll be okay because, um, as I said, they look very, very conditioned. They're very athletic. And I know their style is running, but still, they would be training anyway. But I think mentally, to keep that high going week after week after week, it's bound to take its toll. And it's bound, like, to be some of the players mentally maybe fatigued. But again, look, we, we won't know that on Sunday. But again, you have experienced men on the sideline with Liam, and Liam Dunn and Liam Griffin and the other selectors. And they will have to pair the team. Look, they're, they're on a high as well. The crowd have been behind them. And a lot of people, are reminiscing and looking back through the last you know 10 years without Wexford and that's going to carry the team and, but I, I keep going back at the end of the day it's down to a 70 minute game of hurling inside the white lines and whichever team takes its opportunity because I don't think Limerick got the, got the, the recognition they deserved for last year's Monster Final win like that was a great win and they could consider themselves very very unlucky not to have won and retained their Munster title this year because only for maybe they had a few goal chances that they didn't take and Cork took them it, it might have been Cork or Limerick Munster chances again 
Larry, I don't know what you know about the, um, just to take on Dave's point there, but how much you know about the occupations of these uh, Wexford hurlers. I know Mark Foley, the former Limerick halfback, uh, the examiner this week at some point was talking about them being a young team and probably that a lot of them were students. And actually that uh, fatigue idea might not come into it so much because they actually get a lot of time to recover from them. I don't know, as I said, how much you actually know about the, uh, I don't know if you've done a, a breakdown of their occupations, Larry, if you've gotten that deep or if you can give us an insight on that. Actually, it's a very strong point because um, training regimes now are, have, have concentrated an awful lot on recovery. And I know a lot of the Wexford lads themselves have um, the recovery. Like, they were back recovering on Monday morning. They were down in Corklaw, I think, Monday, sorry, Monday evening. And I know that they've messed their meeting again tonight. And I know that they, a lot of the, the conditioning now from the management team has been on the recovery. So going back to, to the original point, I don't think fatigue will be a factor a lot of it would be can you handle the mental side of the heist because I've seen one thing Wexford has had or are consistent in is our inconsistency we, we seem to have gone good game bad game good game bad game now we've managed to put three good games together in three weeks a lot of pundits will argue that will they be able to do it for the fourth week in a row and, and again we won't know that until about half three on Sunday afternoon Larry great to talk to you enjoy Sunday oh god Absolutely. We're on the Lock Good man. Larry Murphy there. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this on Sunday. It's going to be a special day. It always is. Last year, I'm trying to remember what the games were last year. Kilkenny, they had to fight their way into the All-Ireland. Oh, they were beaten, weren't they? Beaten yeah. by Cork. And the other game in the quarterfinals. God, my memory is so hazy. I can't actually recall. But the last three or four years we've been there, I was there both days that when Limerick played Dublin, Limerick won in 2009, Dublin won in 2011. The atmosphere is Galway against Clare. Galway, Clare, yes. And that was when Clare really kick-started what mm. ultimately proved to be the All-Ireland. Yeah, I just can't wait for Sunday. It's going to be amazing right from the very start. Uh, I think Larry made some good points there. Limerick aren't getting a huge amount of credit for anything they've done over the last couple of years. And they had their chances against Cork, who... We've spoken about several times over in the, on the podcast in recent weeks. We both think they're favourites for the All-Ireland. Limerick were there, thereabouts, with 20 minutes to go and just made a couple of crucial errors. And if they, I, I think they might still be on a higher level slightly than Wexford. And Wexford fans, I'm sure, will be delighted that I'll continue my tradition of tipping their opposition every single week and they'll <laughs> go and prove me wrong. So I, I do. I, I think it's a fair point. I do think it is still difficult, uh, actually, in some ways, to get a fix on exactly where this Limerick team are at. You know, obviously, at full credit to them. I think they've certainly made that public. Um, their annoyance at not getting enough credit for last year, but um, fully deserved, obviously. But two goal loss to Cork in the Munster final. Just difficult to get a fix on where they're at. Uh, the beat a tip team that, in some ways, uh, themselves are still finding their feet, as we've already discussed. Um. And and I kind of wondered as well if uh, Limerick and Tip were to meet again now, I wonder who would win that game. Yeah, that's a good point because Tip have come on so much yeah. since then. But th- this is, I suppose, a whole championship structure argument again that look how many games Wexford have had this year. Limerick have had two. Yeah, but I mean, they obviously been replay. I mean, some some of that is at the door of the scheduling, but some of it is at the door. But of still, we're of we're coming to the end. We're in the last week in July, and Limerick have had two matches. Mm. Well, they haven't had a huge break from the Munster final, and it was the Munster final that played pretty well. They scored twenty four points, mm. and they had the goal chances that they didn't take. Cork took theirs. You knew going into that game, whoever got the goals was going to have the upper hand, and Limerick just couldn't get one. I think they they will have taken an awful lot of out of that Munster final because we're talking Cork up as potential All-Ireland champions. Limerick were with them right to the very end. That's what I just said.
There you go. I'm just <laughs> reiterating your brilliant point. Uh, they do in Shane Dowling also have a guy capable of almost winning a game by himself mm. at this stage, capable of scoring 110 or 111. And Wexford, though they went, did they go the entire first half or almost the entire first half without having a wide last week against Waterford? But then in the second half, maybe when a little bit of fatigue kicked in, mm. there was bad decisions made and they racked up the wides. Yeah pretty quickly and they don't seem to be correcting that and eventually it's going to catch up with them it's just, like it's, where do you even begin to address that sort of stuff that's the problem like it's it's such a you know it's not like a little tactical we can make this little tactical switch yeah. and that's going to shore up this aspect like it's a and they don't have any time. skill of the game they have no time but I mean it's it's been something that's been this isn't a new thing for Wexford either it's something that's been there for, for a little while it's a difficult uh it's a very difficult thing to address because, you know, you can certainly work on... I know it was Dahi that was talking the other week about whatever team it was, that it wasn't a coincidence that they were getting the right players in the right positions at the right time. So you can definitely work... Like, it's not just a skills thing. You can definitely work on getting your players in the right in the right positions and getting the right players there. So, um, I don't know. Look, I do expect... I actually do expect Wexford, uh, Wexford to win this. I think that all those games will stand to them. I do think that Mark Foley point... Um, is a good one that a lot of these are young fellas and the um, rest and recovery that maybe some of the old stagers might need in some of the other teams doesn't fully apply here. And Liam Dunn has shown that he's dealt pretty well with the quick turnaround between games up to this. I expect that to continue and I expect Wexford to go through. Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed watching Wexford over the last few weeks, but I just suspect that Limerick have a little bit too much. And as Larry was saying, if it's like anything like today and it's 24, 25 degrees, that all those those seven matches in five weeks may eventually come and catch up with Wexford and Limerick will just scrape through in this one. No, I agree. I, I, it's weird that I'm going against Wexford. I've seen so much of them over the last few weeks. I've enjoyed watching them incredibly. They've been the story of the summer. I just think they may run out of steam this Sunday. Okay, so we're on air from one on Sunday with all the build-up to that match and we'll be sticking around Stemple Stadium. Stemple Stadium? We might <laughs> New ground. stick did, around at Stemple Remember, remember Stadium. we did a slot a few weeks ago? Well, by slot Father, I mean randomly throwing Father Stemple was a, a less well-known uh, bishop around those parts, so but equally father. deserving of a stadium named after himself. Uh, Dahi Regan will be joining us in studio, keeping an eye on Dublin against Tipperary in the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinal. Tipper back. Tipper back. It's a really difficult one to call this. Obviously, the fact that Tipper home is a probably almost an unfair advantage, but... There was a real test of that tip team and they're six points down against Galway with 20 minutes left and they actually end up running away with the game because I thought they were done. I was listening to the game and I felt that that was going to be the end of them. It was going to be the end of Eamon O'Shea mm. and there were going to be all sorts of repercussions and everyone wondering his lar finished. Will we see him back? Will Owen Kelly be, ever, ever be back again? Although he's not being a huge part this summer. And some of the younger guys dragged them through it and they're probably favourites to beat Dublin this Sunday and into an All-Ireland semi-final. I wonder about the idea of tipping back. I think that's worth exploring a bit because, you know, so they beat a Galway team that at their best are, um, you know, enigmatic at best, some that you just don't really know what's going to turn up. They beat an awfully team who had clearly had their own uh, concerns earlier this year. And and I think quite rightly they're being tipped to beat Dublin this weekend. But I wonder whether that's more on the basis of Dublin backtracking a little bit or Tipperary Granted, making, certainly making a couple of steps forward. And, you know, we've spoken before about Emre O'Shea and, you know, I think everybody accepting that it would have been a shame for him to have be- been beaten four or five times in the championship, never to have won a game and to have left Tipperary Hurling. But I do wonder about the the grander idea that's definitely out there at the minute about Tipperary being well, back. Well, when you say they're back, I don't think you mean they're 2010 back. 
No, but I do think, well, I think the standard has fallen in general in hurling, so they don't need to get to, if they were at 2010 level, they would win the All-Ireland again. God, I think that's, all, that's very harsh, very harsh. The overall standard... No, what I mean, what I been mean, an evening out. What, in, in evening out. Yeah. What I mean by that is, in 2010, you still had the remnants of the greatest team of all time, and you had a tip team who were trying to get up to that level. Right now, there's nobody at that level, which means it's a lot more exciting, which is why we get mm. all these great games. And I... Perhaps Cork and Kilkenny slightly above yeah, Tipperary. I think but Kilkenny I are getting there. I think in terms of teams that are have the terms that are uh, teams that are there at the minute at the minute that might have the potential to be far superior than the others. Kilkenny are definitely showing signs of it again. I, I would still have no, Cork I'd agree, ahead I disagree. Of I, well, I don't. I I would have Cork slightly ahead of Kilkenny at the moment, but only marginally. But I do think there are a whole cluster of other teams that are very close to what Cork and Kilkenny. I think Limerick have it in them to be something really, really? good. I do. I don't know. We see it this year. But I, I think Clare will be back because they have too many brilliant hurlers. Dublin will continue to improve because of what resources they have available to them. Wexford are just coming on in leaps and bounds. No end. And Waterford will be back in two or three years' time once they just get their structures in place. I don't think we're going to have a four in a row, three in a row for the foreseeable future. Isn't I think it brilliant back though, isn't it? I mean, oh, It's great. It's like, I'm sure it, if anyone hasn't read Hurling the Revolution years, get it read. Because it's one of the great GA books. Get it read. Get it read. Get it read. Get it read and learn to speak properly. Learn <laughs> <laughs> to speak proper. Get it read because it's one of the great books and it's all about that period in GA history when you didn't know who was going to win the All Ireland Hurling Championship. And I think we are close enough to That's being a in Damien Lawler book, is that? Um, no. No, I don't think. I've always, was it Dennis Walsh that wrote it? No. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was Dennis Walsh. But um, it's all about that period where you had Wexford, Offaly, Clare, Kilkenny, Cork, Tip, all looking, and Water, Waterford starting to come under Tony Brown when he arrived in the scene. We're not far away from that at the moment. I spoke to Jackie Tyrrell a couple of weeks ago, and Jackie Tyrrell told me, and I put this to him, I was like, it must really piss you off that everyone talks about how great the Hurling Championship was last year, as if, yeah. oh, the Hurling Championship was rubbish when Kilkenny were being the greatest team of all time. Mm. And it is great for us, I suppose, as neutrals, to a certain extent, watching it from the sidelines that we have more exciting matches. But It kind of was rubbish, though. I mean, obviously, it wasn't rubbish for Jackie or the rest of the Kilkenny lads because they're winning All-Ireland. But uh... it was always a question, similar to the Dublin factor this year. Well, look, some of these games are good. Some of these teams are developing, but they're all going to get a hide enough Kilkenny. Yeah. Maybe some of the years. I still think 2008 Kilkenny was just brilliant to watch because they were so good. It yeah, you was... have to admire dominance and performance like they put in against Waterford. But at the same time, you desperately wanted Waterford to make a game that day. And they, and they just couldn't do it because there was no one that could touch Kilkenny. Right now, it's it's you're, you would never say it's a question of who gets to the All-Ireland. They're going to get beaten by somebody else because I think any of the teams left, similar to last year, where there's, there were six teams remaining in, headed into the quarterfinal stages last year, all of them would have fancied their chances of winning it. Yeah, and it'll be similar this year. And I think I would I think Tipperary hurlers have more chance of winning the hurling than any other side away from Dublin have of winning the football. And the bets, the odds probably reflect that. That Adrian, I've confused my, I've probably confused I, I, everybody. Are you, are you with that? that? I'm, I'm staring at the ceiling. Well, I'm just I, don't think, I don't think it would be... Simplify I think I was waiting for the next Tipperary, the explanation. The reason we say Tipperary are back is that, as you say, a month ago, we were wondering would Eamon O'Shea be in the job for much longer? Mm. Whereas now, I don't think it would be anyways a shock if Tipperary were to just gather momentum and go and win this all Ireland. I think it, I still, I I definitely still think it would be. I just think again, like if we're basing it on their display. Like you can maybe 
base it in some ways on their display against Galway to some degree, but in the context obviously that it's Galway, less very much so, less less awfully. So at best you're basing it on one game. Now, like you know, everyone wants to see. There's not a huge amount of games to base things on. No, so that's what I'm saying. That you, I, for me, I just don't really feel that you can make that assumption just yet. They um, have scored eight goals and fifty points in their last two matches, which is uh, phenomenal. Um, but again, look, you just have to take into the account the quality of their opposition. I think if they can put together the final twenty minutes that they uh, two, I think they outscored Galway two ten to a point over the last uh, 20 minutes or thereabouts of that match. And I think if they can replicate some of that against Dublin this weekend over the first 15 or 20 minutes, I think that this Dublin team are pretty fragile uh, coming from the place they're coming from after that uh, Kenny match. I think they have a few injury worries. There's interesting read with Liam Rush in one of the newspapers this week talking about Dublin uh, staying with the same systems that have served them well in recent years. And then I also th- and and he also used some other very strong wording about where what sort of mental place Dublin are at. But I do kind of think as well they're using the same systems that they've been using for the previous years. It's got to evolve, surely. I mean, you got to move things on a little bit. Well, Derek McGrath was on last week's off the ball, and he was talking about Dublin how twelve months ago they have this system, and Anthony Daly's held up as a genius when they go and beat Kilkenny, and then this year it's pretty much the exact same system, and they yeah. lose. But I mean, but but but, but, it's, but Anthony Daly would recognise that system's got to move on. It can't because teams figure you out. I mean, look at Clare this year. You know, teams figure them out. That's what happens. But it doesn't on. look overall. It doesn't look like they improved. But I thought they had when the manner which they went out to Exeter Park and won real sort of clinical, professional, cold performance. Everyone thought Wexford could beat them that day, and I just thought they'd give Kilkenny a really good game in the in the Leinster final. The Hope, if you're a Dublin fan, would be that they can just put that behind them and actually pull out a big performance. But they're going to have to score big to beat Tip, and that's the problem. I don't see the Dublin forwards having the capacity to go down there and score three sixteen enough to win a game in front of Tipperary's fans. I don't know how many Dublin fans will travel. Well, that it's going to be a 50-50 split in terms of Tip and Dublin. It's a difficult probably because day Tip have home advantage, yeah. which. You c- you struggle to feel sorry for Dublin having to go to an away venue yeah. <laughs> the other team having home advantage. Uh, the hurlers get shit on once again. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, that's what they'll tell you. Uh, yeah, that Tipperary forward line, if it can keep going during the summer, can rack up a huge score and Calnan has been playing brilliantly. Yeah. Lar has chipped in with some big scores at important moments in the games. You'd wonder, can he still do it for... Yeah, I don't think he's the goal scorer he was. His all-round game actually seems to be functioning pretty well and he got a couple of really crucial points couple from way out on the sideline against Galway. They train in that place twice a week. They'll have been buoyed by what happened against the Galway team. and They need to get Bonnermar involved a little bit more, which was something... Yeah, well, Dublin have to keep him quiet. Something, keep uh, him quiet, he'd go a long way to be... match him. against Limerick, they struggled with. They stuck him in the full forward line and he barely got a sniff of it in the first 20 minutes. They bring him out to the 45, two minutes later, goal, when he's running from deep. But I think it was, uh, I think it was Dennis Walsh who had the stats that... Last year's championship, there was one of the matches he'd, he'd had six possessions of the ball in the entire match. That they just struggled to get him involved yeah. enough for a guy who can be so influential. So, if he has a good end to the season, maybe that would be the key for Tipperary. I think Dublin will have watched, sorry, Adrian, the yeah. goals that they scored, particularly Amar, who went into the full back position for <clears throat> about a 10 minute period and he was done twice by long balls sent in towards Johnny Glynn. And they will have watched that, I would expect, in the first 20 minutes to see. Dublin midfielders, halfbacks, just pumping it first time. Get it in there on top of the likes of Conal Keeney. See, can he get in the air? See, can he break it down and get a couple of runners off him? Um, if they get a couple of early goals, Dublin will be well set. I do think they'll need that to happen, though. 
Um, the Seamus Callanan is an interesting uh, discussion himself. Two points against Limerick was all he got, um, and he'd scored five sixty two during the league, um, which is astonishing. And then so he goes and scores three goals and a point against Galway. He scores two goals and three points against Offaly. Like he's not a guy. Obviously, that's four and five scores. Granted, most of them are goals. Yeah, but not a guy who's especially prolific. Now, granted, on the basis that he's just scored five goals over the last two games. Well, look, he's no Brendan Cummins. <laughs> Did you see this during the week? Yeah, nineteen, 19 points. Yeah. points. Is that the most? Is that the most Irish GA club name in the country? Ballybacon Grange. <laughs> Ballybacon. Ballybacon. What well, is the bacon down up. my neck of the woods? Is there? That's where the uh, you were down there, were you not? Recently at the uh, yeah the um, well, wasn't in bacon. training center, the Connacht training center. No, that's I was in Bacon. In, I was in uh, Miguel no? Park. No, sounds like training a, like, there's, like there's a gag about to be cracked here. No, it's not. This is serious football talk. Really? Yeah. The Connacht GA Training Centre, huge, big, floodlit, astroturf pitches, where all of Ma- Mayo's, well, mostly Mayo's because it's in Mayo, so we kind of, you know, we do a dub style on it and we kind of keep all the other counties out of it. But it is for all the Connacht teams to help their underage sides flourish. It's in Bacon. Where is Bacon? Bacon's just outside Ballyhonas. Uh. Spelt B-A-C-O-N. B-E-K-A-N. Ah, uh, spell it again? B-E-K-A-N. Bacon. Bacon. Bacon, that's a real... I know, but it's probably like to people who can actually speak the English language, it's probably Beacon. Or Bacon. Yeah. Trust me. As Bacon. Anyway, we were talking hurling. Sorry. <laughs> if there's anybody from Beacon, Bacon, Bacon, feel free to get in contact with us. How do we do that? Oh, Twitter, I suppose. <laughs> and correct you, please. Um, so Preferably yeah. not from Mayo Because you are going to have Your bacon slant could you, could you not just stick Brendan Cummins on there Somewhere Number 7 and Yeah wouldn't you be sure Now he'd have the legs 39 years of age Very interesting Couple of pieces uh, By Donalogue Cusack In the Irish Examiner uh, I was reading a couple of them uh, This morning actually uh, One particularly about Walsh Park What a great hurling field it is they don't want to get the old football in there at all. They're just there's much more about the, the hurling. Anyway, it's a brilliant piece. What uh, makes, check out my as feed. someone who's not a hurling man, all I keep hearing is Semple Stadium's proper the mecca. hurling pitch. Why? Uh, is, it, is it with? Schmelz, it schmelz or is it just hurling. tradition? Yeah, or is both. there something in the grass? Is is the grass a little bit longer on a hurling pitch? Uh, it's tradition, know. lads. That's what it is. That's what it, that's the case with all these places. Like that one of those Don Log pieces the talks about this. He, he talks about this guy who tells him about... The smell, I can smell the hurling, I can, I can sense the hurling. And, like, if you're not, like, steeped in the tradition that these guys come from. But if you were to decide to renovate Crow Park again and stick a couple of All-Ireland football finals down to Semple Stadium, would there not be a Munster final-esque atmosphere? Yeah, there probably would be a would be gone? Well, I was down in... It's just not hurling. I was in Thurles for the two games against Dublin Kerry in 2001. They felt very much like a football ground that day. Or both of those days, but look, like when when we were on there for the Ulster final last Sunday, and I said it's sort of out. It is the thorless of Gaelic football. Clonus, just Clonus, something yeah. very special about it. And I guess yeah, that's I what were, I thought that was <laughs> bullshit when I, when I heard it. <laughs> that's what the hurling enthusiasts probably feel about Temple Stadium. It's not going to be uh, poor old Clonus getting the, the shepherd's crook. What are, uh, so it'll still obviously be pretty active as a county ground. Somebody was suggesting one of the GA journals in the newspaper last week. Uh, I can't remember which one was suggesting that they. Ah, oh, damn it! Um, every second year, that because the Casement Park's been they're going moving. Yeah, so, but will all the Ulster finals be at Casement? Well, I presume Park? they're not going to like make this massive investment in this phenomenal. What ground about, with what all, about this all those guys who are going to have to drive all the way up there now? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I would hope it's not going to be every year. It's probably quicker to Belfast. Something special about Clonus. And there is something very special about Temple Stadium and this All-Ireland quarter-final day. Doubleheader, four counties. going to be crammed in there this Sunday. Sun always seems to shine. The atmosphere is absolutely incredible. And it's it's only, think, I think, in its fifth year where the quarter-finals have been played in Temple Stadium as a doubleheader. And like Wexford's last quarterfinal win was seven years ago. That was in Croke Park against Tip. So it's a, just a really different feel to the, day, to the day. Obviously, it's knockout. It's very special. And look, I'm not a hurling man myself, but when fellas like Don Lokusek talk about these places, obviously they're talking from experience, tradition, history. I don't know. Let them have it. Yeah, there is something when you get off the train down in Thurless with, and on a day like this when there are four counties all converging together. That makes it pretty spectacular. Yeah, uh, Tipperary going to win this. Yeah, I would. I would hope Dublin will put in a much better performance. It's probably Anthony Daly's last match in charge mm. if they don't win it, and it would be a shame if they were to go out on a really low note because he's done so incredibly well with them and they won trophies and they put Dub- Dublin hurling back in the map. I just think they'll fall short on Sunday. All right. Well, in keeping with the shambolic nature of this podcast, I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't given my. Oh, have you not? <laughs> you give that look of move on. Um, oh, you was you were saying keeping with the shambolic nature of this of, podcast. Of. Adrian is about to give <laughs> his prediction. Yeah. Um, I've got another great stat. Have you got your stats button ready? <laughs> yes. No, he hasn't. <laughs> uh, Dublin haven't beaten Tip in the championship since 1917. How many times have they played in the championship uh, who cares since then? About that? Don't worry about that. <laughs> that's, for, that's another all other week's work. Uh, temporary, temporary twin. Right, as I said, uh, let's go back to Saturday then. <laughs> to uh, Tipperary again in football. Um, and we could well end up in a situation where the footballers are in the championship longer than the hurlers um, because Tipperary played Galway in round four qualifier. The second game at O'Connor Park, seven o'clock. Throw in and Galway... Thought there was improvements from last year. Then they go down to the Connacht final against Mayo and it's the same old story. There were a couple of flourishes, but Mayo far superior. And there seems to be a lot of problems within the Galway camp at the moment. Pretty much every team that's been announced for this weekend's fixtures is unchanged. And then you look at the Galway football team and they have four changes, including their goalkeeper, which is quite a surprise. Um, James Cavanaugh, Michael Martin, Joss Moore all come in. Damien Conner, Eddie Hoare and Angus Tierney drop out and Manus Brannock is out of goals. And this is such a wonderful opportunity for Tipperary. It is the biggest game of Tipperary football. Well, they got to this stage two years ago. They were beaten by Down. But I don't think anyone gave them a chance of beating Down. This is the second time in three years they've got to the final round of the qualifiers. Such a massive game. Given what's gone on in Tipperary over the last 10 years and the work that's been put in and winning Munster under-21 titles and winning an All-Ireland minor football title, there's so many of the players from that 2011 panel will be starting tomorrow evening I'm looking at Colin O'Reardon who's like he's a teenager he was on the Tipperary Hurling panel already this year he's won All-Ireland Minor titles at both in both codes that's the sort of supreme talent the county's generating he's playing in the half back line tomorrow and they've got a team full of experience as well as well as having all these young guys the goalkeeper's 36 Three of the starting 15 have made their debuts back in 2005. So it's not like it's just all youth. They have the old heads there as well. Yeah, there's that perfect mix with Quinlevin and Sweeney and then you've got Barry Grogan in there as yeah, well. And who- they have you know Philip Austin and Peter Asiason, all of guys who have a lot of experience. And I just think that they're looking at a Galway team that will not fe- they won't fear them at all. It's oh, there for Tipperary. Damn it! But, but the big question <laughs> is, do they have the hunger, Adrian? <laughs> they're hiding in the long grass. Ah, yeah. 
They just won't know. fear them. Um, it's I, that that expression particularly bugs me. But anyway, let's not worry too much about that. Well, I get, one I team fearing the other. Yeah, fairness, if we're going to get into things that bug people, it could be a long podcast. <laughs> I'm talking about a team that are discussing the opposition they're about to play, and you're maybe singling out opponents, specific individuals that you will be need to be worried about. I don't think there's looking at someone like Colin Cooper or James O'Donnell who going, like, even if we put in our best performance, we may not be able to cope yeah, with these Yeah, no, lads. look, I take your point, but I just the expression is a very... Um, won't fear them. We're going to wire into them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's normally um, Meath won't fear Dublin. Actually, will Meath fear Dublin next year? I think the next time they play, <laughs> Meath should very much be <laughs> yeah. in fear of yeah. Dublin. And if somebody... if Let's just like, make fingers. a note to somebody if in 12 months' time we're having some discussions about this and somebody says, well, Meath won't fear Dublin. Yes, they will uh, on the basis <laughs> of this year. Um, but yeah, there's been, like even in terms of that Galway team, there's been some discussion this week that Sean Armstrong has been named, I think, but that he had left the panel during the week. That no, he's, he's, he hasn't been named in the starting 15. He's, ah, he's, he's, on, the bench. he's, he's on the bench. The change What's in the goalkeeper is a bizarre one Our as well. Galway correspondent. Uh, well, but what is going on with Galway for the last couple of years? We've had this conversation loads of times where I, I thought Alan Mulholland was the right man, but the players just haven't bought into it at all. And while there has been an improvement on last year, how could there not have been? Because they were so bad for pretty much like they scraped through a few qualifiers and Michael Meehan scored that brilliant penalty at the end against Cork, but they never really looked like beating Cork. And I, I think Tipperary are going to win this game. And unfortunately for Alan Holland, I'd imagine there'll be a change of management. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of players back who haven't been involved this year playing with Galway next season. There's a lot going on, obviously, behind the scenes. Well, I wouldn't be as confident the tip will beat them. But because I think Galway have enough good players. I mean, it's going to be a very open game. Tipperary will feel that they're going to have to put up a big score, and they have been two huge scores against Leach and Longford. And I think it'll be a really open game, and that will suit Galway. They're probably going to be four midfielders scrapping for the ball up against each other. There's not won't be a huge amount of sweepers, extra men back, and it'll allow a lot more space for the likes of Danny Cummins and Paul Conroy, who wasn't great in the Connacht final, to actually ex- express themselves. And I think it'll allow for a game that will have peaks and troughs. It's going to be like both teams are going to have real purple patches. Depends who scores most heavily when they actually get their hands on the ball. I wouldn't be as clear cut on that. I think it's going to be really close. Galway have probably the best player among the 30 will start in, in Shane Walsh mm. as well. You, you saw him down at the, the Connacht yeah, final. Class. He's two-footed. He took one free off his right, went across the other side of the field five minutes later and kicked the other free off his left. But any time a player does that, I'm just in awe of him. His distribution is really good as well. Sometimes I think his decision-making still has to improve, but he's only out of the under-21 grade, so that will obviously come with time and experience. He could do real damage to Tipperary at the weekend, and that's why it could be something like 218 to 216 type of a game. And in that scenario, it's very hard to call who will actually win. Tip uh, scored 2.17 and 3.17 in their last couple of games, Longford and Leash, but... You know, Tipperary get a lot of credit, and I think it's you know quite obviously deserved in many ways. They did get past Leash in a game that I'm not sure they should be getting overly carried away with. They scored a goal with I think was the last minute of uh, the game. Leash were down to 14 players. Like you know, they didn't exactly make like make light work of a Leash team that. uh, Well, we had been bigging up Leash, thinking they were the the best team in the qualifiers. Decent enough Leash team, Um, but you know, I just think that Tipperary wouldn't want to get overly carried away with themselves. This, um, if this Leash team was playing Galway tomorrow, we'd all be tipping Leash. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's I certainly wouldn't be tipping Galway to beat Leash if well, they were playing each other. I'm figuring that um, Tipperary won't have the their their forwards one of the same ability to, you know, if they if they're looking back at the Connacht final and going right, what can we take from this that we can implement in a similar fashion to 
uh, try and beat Galway here today. They can't rely on the same... You're right in what, what you say, like we spoke earlier on about Donegal and Dublin and the contrasting of styles here, and this this is two similarly styled teams that will just go at it. But I don't think that Tiberi, well, Tiberi don't have the same capacity as Mayo would have done to, um, you know, um, wire into that uh, Galway full back line to threaten them maybe as much as they, as they uh, quite clearly as much as Mayo would have done. Um, and yeah, Peter Cre- uh, Creed was talking this year. He said um, um, this week, he said, at the start of the year, we sat down as a management team, all of us together, and we said, if we're going to get out of Division 4, we're going to have to improve our scoring. We felt all out attack might be out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, they did get out of Division 4. It worked for them. Uh, so they conceded four goals against Leash as well, if I'm not mistaken. That's um, yeah. There will be chances for Galway, and they had chances against Mayo. Mm. And um, that's why I feel they can beat Tip because they will get those chances I'm again. Go and that, they may yeah. take them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for Galway. I'm going to go for Tipperary. Uh, that is more or less that. Any other business, guys? No. Look, just looking forward to the weekend. I have a bit of other business. Um, Dave, you've had a bit of a go at Armagh over the last while. I have. You're done. They're still You're around. You're done with Armagh. They are still around. They haven't I'm gone away at all. We'll have them live next weekend. <laughs> yeah, which I'm really looking forward to our sideline correspondent that afternoon. Can't who, imagine we're going to get any much pre, pre-match stuff. Well, this is what I'm wondering. You know, the Armagh uh, management team aren't talking to the media. and You've been up covering a lot of their matches and they haven't spoke and with you. They haven't spoken. Well, they... We Kieran sent McKeever Billy did. Joe Padden up. Yeah. And lo and behold, we're getting a real insightful interview from Paul Grimley. Ah, well, hang on now a second. Have you <laughs> a really insightful uh, interview? Okay. Paul Grimley was talking into a microphone. Is what I'm getting <laughs> yeah. at. Because we did make the point. I'm fairly certain I made the point last week that yes, Paul Grimley has spoken. We weren't sure where the quotes <laughs> have come from, but God, there were there were there was nothing in them. And uh, I think in similar fashion uh, with ourselves. It's just just good to hear from the man. Well, I, I spoke to Kieran McKeever after the game last weekend and he talked in detail about how badly treated they feel they've been by the media and it was a siege mentality I would have thought uh, in Kieran's case maybe most Does he listen to the podcast? Did he, did he mention anything that was brought up in the podcast? He didn't mention anything on News Talk Well I think Kieran, but, um, did, did Colin had a pretty, pretty good lash off him He did week. but I don't know if he'd actually heard that if Kieran had heard that Well I'm fairly certain there was one of those you know when you kind of have a go with somebody on Twitter No we're we don't do it too often and then somebody else retweets your tweet and adds their yeah. tag on it <laughs> just to make sure that they see it I'm fairly certain that happened with some of Woolly's tweets yeah and I mean you know I think pretty much every day last week he had <laughs> something else to add to the conversation well let's hope we can get the insight before during and after the game from the Armagh camp yeah so no more digs at Armagh I do my best alright that's it for this week two live games on Off the Ball over the weekend all our GEA coverage brought to you with thanks to Liberty Insurance proud supporters of Hurling and Camogie we'll talk to you next week it might feel good it might sound a little something but damn the game if it don't mean nothing what is game who got game where's the game in life behind the game behind the game I got game she got game we got game they got game he got game it might feel good it might sound a little something but the game if it ain't saying nothing I got game she got game we got game they got game Got game.